everyone. Welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kind of talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor, because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life, no matter what comes at you, and always live it to the fullest. Hi, today I am here with Mary Gaio. Did I say it right? You did, yes. Okay, and... um, I just want to hear your story. You have some, like a story that we haven't ever covered here on Cancer Casually before. Um, you lost a child to cancer. Oh gosh, that is, um, oh, that's crazy yeah. to uh, think about. Um, so I just kind of want to hear about that. When did that, when, tell me your story. When did this happen? Okay. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. It means a lot to me that I'm here and I'm able to share my story because I get to share my son. So thank you. Um, So his name is Calvin. Mm -hmm. Um, He was born on June 10, 2006, and it was amazing. And I felt like I I knew him when I met him. And it's it's interesting to say that, but I I mean, when I was there, I just, I felt like I, I'd already known him, if that makes any sense. Um, was it your first child? Yes, okay. yes, yes. I was very young when I had him. He was my first child. Um, and it was, it was a growing experience for both of us. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And I had him for seven amazing years. When he was six in 2013 um, is when he was diagnosed. And um, it was, there was no, no real symptoms before, before his diagnosis, aside from like, uh, a usual cold, a runny nose, which is very typical. And, yeah. you know, it happens with children all the time. Yeah. So I didn't think much of it when it happened. But one time uh, he came home from his father's house and he had a bump on his head. And Calvin was very active and very much a boy. And he had bumps and bruises all the time. So, I, again, I didn't think too much of it. Um, but this bump wouldn't go away. And after a couple of weeks, we decided to check it out. And we went through a series of a few doctors within a few weeks uh, span, and they all pretty much said, you know, it's nothing, it, it's a bump, or um, it could be, because at the time the, the bump had uh, hair loss, so they said it's alopecia, and it just, they, they, they couldn't find a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, after I just wouldn't stop, and I said, it has to be something, you know, so finally the doctor said, okay, let's do a biopsy. So they did. And a couple of days later, they said, you need to come back in, bring Calvin, and we need to talk. So, of course, when you hear something like this. Yeah, that's never a good sign. Yeah, it's never a good sign. I remember even driving to the hospital with Calvin, and I thought, you know what? It's fine. Whatever it is, we'll tackle it. It can't be anything terrible. It'll, you know, it's, it's obviously, you, you think the most, the, the worst things, but you don't want to you know, imagine it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and that's the worst possible thing you can and ever imagine. that is the imagine. worst possible thing. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when it's your child. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I went to the hospital and the first thing the doctor said is, okay, um, you know, I, I need you to sit down. And I, I, even when I heard that, I thought, okay, th- there's something right. And I, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And that's when he said, you know, we've ran some tests and the biopsy and, the blood work came back and your son has cancer. And when you hear these words, especially spoken of your child, it's everything felt like slow motion after that. Um, you don't, it's like his life flashed right in front of me. And you know, when you're watching a movie and everything kind of sucks you out, like it's that slow mo type of situation. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really hear what he said after that. I, 
Calvin was sitting on the table playing with some stickers and he was on the, the doctor was in front of me on the other side of the room. And I was just standing there and I couldn't believe what he said. Of course, you you never expect to to hear that. Yeah. Right. You, you did don't, Calvin kind of, did, was he aware that he was sick or was he aware that he well, was? He knew that he had a bump on his head, mm-hmm. but prior to then he was, he was sick at the time. He had had stitches a few times mm-hmm. from falling yeah. and um, just, uh, I think it was six months prior to that. He had a cast on his wrist. Yeah. He fell off the monkey bars. Typical so, boy. Typical boy. So to him, it was like, oh, it's a, you know, we're going yeah, back yeah, to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. happened. So it wasn't unusual for him to be there. And of course he had never heard the word cancer yeah. and he didn't know what it was. So him hearing it was not, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything, in, you know, out of the ordinary to him. To him, it was just doctor talking to mom. Um, but to me, I knew that it was, you know, life altering. Yeah. I knew that it would just change everything. And I didn't really know what it would exactly change, but I knew that it was catastrophic. Oh. Um, and the doctor kind of, I, I didn't, what he said was a bunch of words that I didn't understand at the time because... Cancer has all these gibberish that you don't really know mm-hmm. until you're there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I you know. So uh, the next thing he said was, you know, you we need to see uh, pediatric oncology, and there's already an appointment for you at the Children's Hospital, and you got to go this afternoon. And um, and we did, but before we did that, we just I remember I was just stoned faced when I was sitting there when I was standing there with the doctor, and then we headed out to uh, the elevator to go back down to our car. And I remember very clearly in the elevator standing there, it was just Calvin and I, um, and he had stickers in his hand that he was playing with and he was putting them on my pants. And I got my sunglasses out of my purse and I put them on. And I felt like when I did that, it was like a shield, you know? And that's when I, I felt, that's when I first started to just feel and just hot tears run down my face because I didn't know the, the road in front of us was completely yeah. unknown. And and you have to be like a rock for him. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I just can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to even think of that. Um, and even now, having gone through it, I hear of other parents going through it and I'm just like, wow, I can't imagine. But I could because yeah. I lived it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Um, so you. That- you got out of the elevator with your sunglasses on, and then you went to pedia. Or how do you say pedia? Pediatric Onco- oncology, okay. which is um, you know oncology for for children. Mm-hmm. We went to our appointment, and that's where we were first kind of introduced to all these cancer words and mm-hmm. and and um, all this you know lingo and gibberish, which like I said is is it was new to us, yeah. even to Calvin and the doctor that. Day, she asked us, she said, how much do you want Calvin to know? Or how much do you want him to not know? Or, I mean, he's a child, you know, mm-hmm. but Calvin was the kind of person who wanted to know when, where, how, how, and how it was going to happen and how it was going to affect him and how I think knowing ahead of time for him made him feel secure. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way I'm that way too. And I'm sure he kind of, yeah. you know, was Got that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that hesitation, I, I just said, I want him to know as much as he wants to know, of course, in a child's, from a child's perspective. Um, so that's how it began. We started telling to him, telling him what cancer was and how he was sick and how, you know, the medication would help him. And I remember very clearly, too clearly that day we were getting ready to leave and the doctor um, asked Calvin, I said, Calvin, do you have any questions for us? And he said, yes, I do. And um, he said, I have one question. And he looked at the doctor straight in her eyes and he said, am I going to die? Oh my gosh. Um, and I looked at him and I thought, why would that question even come to his mind? And I looked at the doctor you know, waiting for the answer that I knew was, was to be given. And she said, of course not. She said, of course not. You're just a little sick. We're going to get you better and everything's going to be okay. Wow. 
Did they know what type of cancer was it? It was ALL, which is uh, leukemia. It's a okay. blood cancer. Okay. And did they, um, like, did they have like a set treatment plan in play, like right off the bat? Did they know that? Did they think it was going to work or? Well, they didn't. Ha they didn't have a set treatment in mind. They would just start with um, a treatment that they've done in the past, which is kind of unfortunate because, especially being that. There has not been much change in treatment in children for a really long time. Mm -hmm. um, so they just started with the most basic, which is uh, let's do some chemo, let's do some medication, and let's see how his body reacts from there. And that was at the end of uh, April. And we went home, and we were just to kind of figure out what's going to happen for the next days, and we went back to the hospital a few days later. And he started his first chemo on Mother's Day in May of 2013. Um, and his body actually responded really, really well, which was good. So he started chemo and medication for a couple weeks and that went really well. Of course, with anything new to a child's body, especially a child that small, of course he was lethargic, he was tired, he was groggy. Um, but that was right after he got his medication and chemo. Um, after that he was, he seemed okay. He was fine. But of course he had to be out of school, which he wasn't very happy about Yeah, because Aww. he didn't get to see his friends yeah. and, and whatnot. Um, and it was towards the end of first grade. Um, but you know, it's what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. So, um, we did that for a couple months until doctor came to me and he said, you know, Mary, we were doing treatment and, and the chemo and, and it's going well. But at the same time, his body is not responding the way we would hope. What's happening is that his body is duplicating the cancer cells instead of the opposite, which is what we would want. Mm -hmm. So he said, the best bet is to have a bone marrow transplant. Oh, okay. Um, which ideally would be a match would be ideal, which would be a sibling, mm -hmm. which Kevin did not have, Yeah. Um, unfortunately. So... We decided to do that, and the doctor said uh, a bone marrow transplant would be a 95% chance of remission mm -hmm. versus if we keep on doing the treatment that we're doing now with the really heavy doses of chemo, it could really hurt him and ultimately kill him. So, of course, I decided to go with the 95%. Yeah, of course. Right? Um, so we did that, and even going through the entire process of finding a donor was tough. Because obviously he didn't have a sibling and that would be the ideal donor. Yeah. And we did a research worldwide for a month and a half. And finally we found someone, which was amazing. And Cause uh, it's very hard to find it is, a match, right? It's yeah. very, yeah, mm -hmm. it's very hard. It's very difficult to find yeah. a match. It, there has to be so many components, mm -hmm. which is why a sibling is ideal because it has the same parents. Yeah. But yeah. unfortunately yeah, Calvin yeah, didn't yeah. have, uh, didn't have a sibling. So finally we found it and, before you receive a bone marrow transplant, you have to prepare your body with radiation and heavy chemo and just so much medication because you have to zero your body. Basically, you become a baby again. Mm -hmm. Your immune system is, you know, yeah. is non-existent. Um, and we were in the process of doing that when we got a call. Um, I was actually on the way to the hospital. We got a call letting us know that the donor backed out oh. and they decided not to do it. Why? We don't know. Okay. Uh, we don't know because it is confidential information. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did. We don't know. And the whole, I mean, we couldn't get stuck. We had to just keep going and, and look for another donor. So we did. We looked for another donor. And thankfully, four days later, we found another donor, okay. which was amazing. And we started it back up again with Calvin's treatment to, to ready his body. And two days later, we came back again. The donor decided not to do it again. And we don't know why we couldn't. I mean, there was no... There was no answers. We just had to keep going and keep finding um, another donor. And our family was looking for donors. Everybody was getting tested, our friends, our coworkers. Anybody that you can think of was going into the hospital and getting tested. But there was no direct match. Wow. Um, um, real quick, how, yeah. do, how can you become a donor? Like for just someone that wants to help someone like Calvin, yeah. how can you become a donor? How can you see if... That is an amazing you. question because all of us can be donors. Mm -hmm. I'm a donor myself. I mean, I'm a, I'm a potential donor. There is a, a bone marrow registry online, okay. which anybody can register. 
um, and all it need, all you need is a is a cheek swab. Oh. You put it in the mail, or even you go to the hospital, and that's all you need. Okay. And as long as you're you're positive donor, then you get bone marrow um, extracted from your body from your back. It's a needle in your back, and it's actually a very simple process. Um, and the most important part is that we get to replenish our, our marrow within 24 hours. So we, we don't lose anything yeah. by saving another life. Wow. It's like the simplest it process. It is the simplest thing. I mean, to, you might be a little achy donor. for yeah. a few hours, but aside from that, it's, it's, a, it's wow. a fairly easy process. And it can process. really save a life. It really can. Wow. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. That, that's good to know. It is very good to know. Yeah. And it's something that I, I, I share all the time because it's very important. It's a, it, it gave Calvin time which is so fortunate to have yeah yeah um so finally we found a donor and the donor was gracious enough to do it mm -hmm. and we waited a few days to make sure that they because they have to go through screening themselves right yeah. they have to go through a physical screening and paper screening and and um thankfully we we got noticed that the cells were extracted and they were on their way and they were from another country in europe oh yeah, a wonderful woman in Europe donated her cells to Calvin, which is amazing. The cells were flown in within a couple of days we received them. And on September 17th of that year, Calvin received his bone marrow transplant. And although he had been very ill for the past few months since uh, diagnosis, this was the sickest time of his life because this is when the radiation really hit him mm -hmm. and the chemo and all the medication was so heavy on his body. And he was hospitalized and couldn't leave for months during this process because the bone marrow transplant process is so tedious. Mm -hmm. And um, his body was just, the bone marrow and his cells were fighting each other when, because uh, rightfully so, your body is trying to protect you against yeah. anything outside of it. But um, the new cells are there to help you. So it, I guess putting it into easier terms, trying to make friends with the new cells and his cells in his body was really difficult on his body. Mm -hmm. um, so it took a lot. And that's when he lost his hair and his, 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 he lost so much weight and he was just terribly sick. And mm. um, how is his spirit? Like, was he still, you know, he, his spirit was boy? for the most part, always really up. And mm -hmm. he's always very, very much of a jokester. And um, he loved playing and joking and, and, and puzzling and reading. And he loved doing all of that. Um, puzzles were something that kept him really busy and Legos. He loved Legos. Um, so he was still in really great spirits, but truth be told, there was days where he didn't want to do anything because he was so ill. Yeah. He was so ill. And for weeks, um, he had a lot of mouth sores and, sores all over his body that he had uh, what is called a red man syndrome where his entire body was covered in red sores from head to toes and um, he was in a liquid dire for for weeks at a time so it was it was really tough mm -hmm. for him and of course it's really tough as a mother to be able to to see that and not yeah. be able to do much so how did you I don't want to like jump too far off no, but okay. how did you like keep your mind able to go on with it you know like how were you able to that that sane? was that was hard mm -hmm. but looking back I always knew that there was an end goal mm -hmm. that there was something to look forward to and that's what I I, I was able to just sit in that knowing that there was a, a light at the end of the tunnel, mm -hmm. whether it's after you take this medication, you'll feel better or after this chemo or after this whole treatment or after this bone marrow, whatever it was, there was always something to look forward to. And, and I mean, truth be told, and, and if I'm being completely honest, it was still hard, mm -hmm. even with keeping the spirits up and, and, and trying to be positive, it's still your child. Yeah. And it's still your child going through a life altering process and something that you wish you can take its place. Mm -hmm. There were so many moments where I just, I broke down and I cried because I wanted so bad to just be in that bed instead of him, you know, and I, I wanted to take it all away. And there's one moment specifically, which I will never forget um, when we were living in the hospital during this, this transplant, um, 
it was about 3.30 in the morning. And of course, when you're in the hospital, there's no not much sleep you can do, especially on the little couch yeah. that they, they give you. Um, I was up and I was just roaming the halls and I came back into the room and I just saw Calvin. He was asleep and of course connected to all these machines. And it's one of the moments where it just kind of hits you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just looked at him and I just walked next to him and I just, I laid on his lap and I just, I just sobbed and I just cried and I just felt so many emotions. And I think I've been holding on to just feeling because I felt I needed to be strong for him Mm -hmm. and at the same time strong for me and strong for the family. But I just broke down. And next thing you know, I felt his head on my, his hand on my head. And I looked up and he looked at me and he said, (laughs) he said, mom, everything's going to be okay. And I believed him. I, I really did. I, I looked back at him and, and I, I knew that everything was going to be okay. It was so hard and it was so heartbreaking and we were going through so much, but he reassured me and I reassured him and we had this like transfer of like energy. We were so connected that when I was down, he picked me up. When he was down, I picked him up and we just had this connection, you know, and, and we, I never left a site. I never left a site, which was such a blessing. And even though I wanted to spend more time with him, I mean, there was times where I had to be his advocate. Yeah. Um, I was his advocate, um, especially being a single parent at the time. It was hard having to do it all by myself. Yeah. You have to, it's like, going to college you have so much to learn so much to learn difficult stuff to remember i mean it's like big words and it's a lot it is it's a lot and it's like going to medical school yeah it really is Mm -hmm. because there's so much to learn there's so much medical terminology that you have to take on yeah and a lot of times you have to be your own child's advocate because doctors are doctors and they know a lot but they don't know your child they don't know your child the way that you know your child Mm -hmm. Um, so there was just so much to learn. And even Calvin was incredible at it. He knew all of his medications, all of the names. He knew what symptoms they would, they would have. He knew what to expect. He knew if I take this medication, it might make me dizzy. So I need this and I might need that. And mom is my time for this medication. It's time for this. Oh, how smart. Yeah. He, he was very much his own advocate for himself as I was for him because we knew that we had each other. At the time, I had been a single parent for a few years. So in a way, he was my 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 caretaker as I was his. Mm-hmm. He was the man of the house, and, 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 and he took on that role. And when it came to to literally fighting for his life and, and, and going through that process, he he took charge, um, which is, which is, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of heartbreaking that a child at that age would have to do that. Yeah. A child at that age should have to worry about playing. Oh yeah. You know, and, and doing fun things. Not not that, mm-hmm. you know, but we did the best with what we could and, and we just kept going because that's all we knew how to do. Yeah. Um so after the bone marrow transplant, what at what point did it start going from the doctors having hope and thinking it was gonna all work out to it not looking it was a waiting game. It was a waiting game. Every day we would literally be waiting. We were waiting for his cells to go up for the count, mm-hmm. blood count to go up and it would go up and down and up and down. But after about a week and a half, we started to see, um, progress, which was amazing. And it, from there, it just, it got better and better and better, which is what we were looking for. Yeah. And he was able to gain strength back and he was eating and he was feeling really, really well. And, the holidays came. So he, he had his bone marrow transplant in September. We were there the holidays. And finally, uh, we were there for October, for Halloween, for November, for Thanksgiving. Um, finally, towards the end of November, we got the great news that we were waiting for, which was the cell transplant worked. Um, Kevin's body is doing amazing. And we've reached remission, which mm-hmm. is something that you want. Yeah. Right. Which is ideal. That's what the goal was. Yeah. That's what the goal was. We were in remission. And finally, a couple of weeks later, he was strong enough to go home and we went home and which was incredible because, um, we were yearning to go home. We had been in the hospitals on and off for months. Yeah. 
so we went home and, and we loved being home and we were, um, we did the most basic things, which is, you know, make breakfast and, you know, take walks, which was so something so simple, but it was like, we were given our life back, which we wanted for so long. Um, but like any other cancer patient, there was hiccups because with a fever or cold or runny nose Mm -hmm. with a cancer patient, it's not just anything. It it can be a major situation. Um, so we did, especially after a bone marrow, especially after bone marrow transplant, the first 100 days after bone marrow transplant are very, very delicate. Mm -hmm. Um, so much so that you cannot, you have to stay within a 30 mile radius of the hospital. You cannot leave. You cannot travel. You cannot go anywhere because your body is so susceptible to anything. Yeah. Um, and your, and your house has to be completely clean. Mm -hmm. Um, even our dog could be in the house and just, I mean, there's so many regulations, which is what you would want, right? You would want to be sanitized and everything has to be in order. But, um, we did have to go back to the hospital a few times because of of a runny nose and a fever. And if you spike a fever, it's a big deal. So, um, he had a few infections and I mean, there were so many things that happened between transplant and, and having to go home. And we did come back a few times, um, actually a lot, a, a handful of times we did come back, but it wasn't unusual. And it was just like, okay, well, we got to go back. We'll be there for a few days, but then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll come back home. And that was the case. That was pretty routine to go back, you know, which is um, pretty routine or some kind of hiccup, which wasn't unusual. Um and we were in the hospital a lot and we were there actually for Christmas, which wasn't ideal because of course, as a child, you want to be home yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but finally. Was the hospital you were at, where is it, do they like decorate? And, they do, yeah. they do. And they, they did a really great job for, for the kids, for the pediatric floor. We were at City of Hope, mm. which we absolutely love. Uh, that place is amazing and the doctors are incredible. And they have um, toys for the children. Yeah. They have Santa. They have uh, projects and so many things for the kids to play and enjoy. And, and they have um, every day they have a playtime. So if the kids are feeling well, um, a certain time of the day, every, all the kids get together in a playroom and they all play, which is really incredible to see. Yeah. Um, no parents are allowed in there. It's only oh, it's only kids' time. That's so great because they're is. all going through and they're all going through things. something similar. Yeah. And oftentimes, I would just kind of walk through the room, and you could see in in the room through the windows, and you see this sea of children, most of them which have bald head and, yeah. and no hair, but they're all smiling and laughing and and playing with each other, and just seeing that in itself, it gives you life mm-hmm. because. There's a, a room full of children who are literally fighting for their lives. They may not realize the extent of it, but that's really what's happening. Yeah. Yet they're there laughing and sharing with each other. And I mean, it, I mean, it's amazing. I love just going through that room and just kind of peeking through because I, I got to see life in a different, from a different perspective, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, and that I was think amazing. With kids, I, I think when you're an adult and you have cancer, you're just like, just mad and right. Right. <laughs> but with kids you kind of don't you do, like you said you don't know and you don't you just know and kids are so are resilient happy. yes they're yes. just naturally happy they're just naturally happy yeah. and they're just they naturally they're naturally so resilient it's us as adults that we're like oh darn yeah, you know yeah. but we kid- need playrooms yes yes <laughs> we do hospitals. we actually do play is so important yeah, you know yeah, play yeah. is so important but we actually do um so going back to the treatment, we, we were going through the, through the post-treatment of transplant and everything was kind of, you know, going as it should have been. And actually Calvin was coming off of medications and um, we had, I think he was on at one point at like 32 medications, which are so many. And he was slowly wow. coming off of them after treatment, after a transplant. Um, so by the beginning of the year, he was feeling so much better. And then February came and um, he was feeling so much better. And he was only like on a handful, I think six medications at the time, which was amazing because mm-hmm. from going on, on for, off of so many, right, to just having a handful of them. Um, and he was able to play and we were um, getting ready to go back to school soon. We were getting registered for school and and we were looking forward to living again mm-hmm. and putting cancer in the, in, in the, in the back and, and having that be history because he was in remission and although he was feeling better, um, we still had to go through 
um, getting rid of some medications and, and, and eating more and gaining more weight. So it was happening slowly, but he was on a path to just feel better and get better. Um, and we were starting to, you know, look for um, getting our dog back to our home, Aww, and yeah. which was amazing because we missed him. And he was able to come in and out, especially as Calvin was feeling better. Mm-hmm. He was able to come back to live with us. And, and that was amazing because we loved him. We had Bailey for many, many years since Calvin was born. So, Aww. yeah, they were, they were partners Besties. in crying. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Um, and then just one day randomly in, in early March, we were playing outside, tossing the ball around. And um, Calvin said, you know, mom, my chest hurts a little bit when I throw the ball. And one thing about Calvin is that he was very in tune with aches and pains in his body because he had to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the whole cancer situation, he, he was very in tune with what's going on. So I, we, I didn't take it lightly. I called this doctor and I said, you know, Calvin's feeling some kind of pressure or he feels like he can't really breathe or has some kind of chest discomfort. Um, we're not sure what it is. So doctor said, you know what? Just bring him in. Just stay here overnight. This already, it was already late in the afternoon. Just stay overnight just so we can kind of moderate, moderate him. So we did. And we went in and it was something so routine, just like it had been many times before that. And, um, he went in and he was fine. By that evening, um, we tried to take a, a shower, uh, before bed, before he was going to go down to sleep. And he couldn't stand on his own in the shower in the hospital. And he kept saying, Mom, I can't stand. My chest really hurts. So I called the doctor. We got him out of the shower. And, you know, they said something's not right. So immediately that night, he went into ICU. Um, and we didn't know what it was, right? So, of course, we got cultures and we got testing. And there's just, you know, a, a so many things that are done just to kind of figure out what's happening because we don't know what it was. Um, and of course you have to wait of, you know, hours for the cultures to come back for the test results to come back by the next day. Um, some cultures had returned and there was, there was nothing, there was no cancer, there was no infection. There was nothing that could have caused any kind of chest situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, he was put on antibiotics just to kind of cover all bases he started, was starting on an antibiotic treatment. Um, we were kind of throwing everything on, to, on the wall to see what would stick because his chest was getting worse. And by then he had to be on a PAP machine to help him breathe because he couldn't oh. breathe on his own anymore. Wow. Um, so the only thing left to do was the doctor said, you know, we need to do a biopsy of the lungs to see what's happening. Um, and he said, you know, we're going to have to intubate him. Um, and that might not be able to come out right away because his lungs are seem to be getting weaker by the hour. By so the hour. By the hour. Wow. It was happening really fast. Mm-hmm. By then it had already been a week and a half and it was happening really fast. Wow. By then he couldn't speak um without the machine because he would get so tired. So it was happening really, really, really quick. Um and it was a few days before we got the 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 um the results from the lung biopsy. But by then when by the time we returned back from surgery um, he had um, a tube in his lungs to drain fluid because there was fluid. And he was, of course, intubated. And surely, as the doctor said, his lungs were too weak to remove the tube. So he had to remain intubated until his lungs would get stronger. So we determined that the cause of the issue was his lungs. His lungs were severely damaged. And what had done that was the cancer treatment, the radiation, the medication, the heavy doses of everything mm-hmm. that had transpired through the 11 months of treatment. And oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just uh, uh, is it the same type of chemo that like uh, adult leukemia? Um, Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Unfortunately, yes, yeah. because there's not there has not been enough research to be able to um have individual treatment at, I mean, at least back then, which was five years ago, mm-hmm. um, individual treatment was, I mean, it was not really there. It mm-hmm. was, but it wasn't in a form where we'll try this first because it's what we've done for so many years. And then we'll kind of individualize it mm-hmm. as we go, um, which was done for Calvin, but still there was already a d- damage had already been done. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard not to have, not to, 
damage your body when your body's so tiny. Mm -hmm. And when you're going, when you're receiving any kind of medication does something, whether we feel it then or not, it does something in the, in the long, in the long run. Um, which is exactly what happened to, to Calvin. His lungs were damaged and there was no going back. And at the time, the doctor said, you know, we'll try this treatment, we'll try that treatment. And we were trying different medications, different treatments. And by then it was already a few weeks and it was not getting any better. It was not getting any better at all. It was actually getting far worse, quicker, and everything was happening so fast. And at some point... um. I mean, by then we were just living on hope. We were literally breathing and living hope because that is all we had, all we had. And I, I never left Calvin's side. I stayed right next to him. I slept on his bed and I just wanted to hold him and to be with him and just to, because love, I felt like nothing can overcome love. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be okay. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. That's like the best medicine yeah. you could have given him. Yeah. Is just being there with Being him. right next to him. Yeah. And um, one day the, his doctor came to me and he sat me down and, and he said, um, you know, Mary, there's, Calvin's very sick and his lungs are really damaged and they're damaged beyond repair at this point. And we've done everything that we could for Calvin. And there's nothing else that we can do. And, um, I mean, hearing this, even just hearing myself saying it again, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no right way, there's no words to to explain emotions or feelings that are going through I mean, somebody telling you that there's nothing that could be done for your child. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing you could ever hear. It's the worst thing you could ever hear. It's the, a parent's worst nightmare. And you don't, it's something that you don't ever expect to hear. Even when you think, I mean, it's, it's unexpected. Yeah. Um, and um, they said, Calvin's body is literally breaking down. Um it's only a matter of time. So there's an option to remove the, the, the remove him from, from breathing and let him go mm-hmm. or just slowly watch as his body deteriorates. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when somebody gives a parent that, those options, I mean, those are not choices that you want to hear. No. You know, Neither they're not, one is, is yeah, good. I mean, none of them are good. No. Um, but I, I knew at the time without even a doubt, I didn't even have to think about the fact that keeping him here, even if it's for another day, another week, whatever it may be, was for me selfishly and letting him go and letting his body rest was for him. So as hard as that was, I knew I had to let him go. Mm -hmm. I had to. And that was, I'm sure that will be the toughest decision I ever will make in my life to let him go. So on uh, March 24th, 2014, that's exactly what we did. Um, Family came over just to say goodbye and... Um, his dad and I were in the room and we just held him and gave him all the love and he was made comfortable. He could no longer feel and he just, he was just there. But I know he felt me because the, the tube was removed from his mouth. He, um, he opened his eyes, which he hadn't done for, for a couple of weeks. And he said, mom, Oh, Um, and, um, he said, mom, I, I can't breathe. And, uh, I mean, hearing that was, I mean, I can't, I can't explain how that feels, you know? And 
all I could think of was to love him and reassure him. And I said, Calvin, it's, it's okay. It's time to go play. I said, go play, go run. Let's go play baseball. And I'll be there soon. And he closed his eyes and he, he held onto my hand and he took a really, really long deep breath. And, um, and that was it. I held him as he just took his last breath. And I even, I remember so clearly, even then, I thought, like, this is not possible. It's not possible that this is just it. And I, I said to him, I said, I, I don't know what or how. I don't know. I don't know anything right now, but I know that I will do incredible things for you. Yeah. And I believe that's, that's where his physical life ended, but something new mm-hmm. began. Yeah. And that is the Calvin Preston Foundation. Yes. Yes. Well, so tell us about that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was absolutely just, you're very brave and strong. And that is, um, I just can't imagine, but you sound like it was, or it sounds like Calvin had the most perfect life with you. So I really love to believe so. I, I know that he, we loved each other unconditionally and, that love remains even now. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Calvin Preston Foundation was born. And actually, it was actually Calvin's idea when he first was diagnosed. Um, it was his idea to give back, to help children, because he realized that he wasn't the only child that was sick and he wasn't the only child that was hospitalized. Yeah, and all he his knew, playmates. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And he knew that whatever cancer was, it was not pretty and it was uncomfortable and kids had to be in the hospital where they didn't really want to be. So it was actually his idea. He said, mom, when we feel better, we got to collect toys and we got to give them to the kids because they will like it. Yeah. Um, they will like it when they're sick. And, and that's actually where it all began. The, the year after he passed away, I decided that I just needed to do something. I need to do something and I don't know what it was, but I thought, you know what? Let's just collect some toys. Let's collect some toys and give them back to the, to the hospitals where Calvin was. Um, and that's how the Calvin Preston foundation began. It began with just collecting toys and, and from there it has beautifully and organically grown to what it is today. Yeah. Um, tell us about it. What are you, are you collecting toys for, hospitals all over yes yes so what we do now is we still collect toys every year um every year throughout the year but our focus is to help underprivileged children mm-hmm. because that is where calvin and i were at the time i was a single parent yeah uh barely making ends meet trying to provide for my child which was difficult as a single parent so we focus um, to help underprivileged children and families who have children who are diagnosed from age from ages birth to 18, Mm -hmm. we help them with basic necessities that you wouldn't think would be much. I mean, it's something that you don't think of when you're going through treatment. At least I didn't think about it when I was a parent and when I was uh, a parent going through treatment with Calvin, but they're so vital and we help them with, uh, bill pay assistance like gas, electric bill, um, uh, gas cards to and from appointments, um, toys, groceries, uh, something as simple as like uh, detergent for their for their clothes and just basic needs for moms, such mm-hmm. as like toiletries. I mean, anything that you can think of that we can give back, we help with. And um, this is all volunteer based, and whatever we get from our our volunteer and whatever we fundraise, it goes straight back to the organization, which we're so grateful to to be able to do. And of course, at the end of the year, we collect toys yeah. and we give them back to the families and we give them back to the children in the uh, hospitals, which we have a great connection with a few uh, hospitals where Calvin was treated. 
um, they remember him and they love him. And, and of course, that is amazing that we can give back because yeah. he was there in his honor. So how can um, someone donate toys or their toiletries or anything to the foundation? Is it their website we can go to? Yes, absolutely. The Calvin, CalvinPrestonFoundation.org. Okay. Um, they can do monetary donations there. Or uh, they can follow us on Instagram at Calvin Preston Foundation. Uh, same thing on Facebook. Um, we also do fundraisers throughout the year. We are having a fundraiser now and coming up in September, we have a paint and pour event, which is painting, uh, acrylic pour painting, which is really amazing and really fun to do. It's a fundraiser. Yeah. And of course, everything that we get, we give back to the kids. Oh, cool. And we have different events throughout the year. In October, we uh, get to go back to the hospitals and we decorate pumpkins with the kids. And then in November, we do a food drive to collect food and necessities for the families that are in the hospitals. And we do food baskets for Thanksgiving. And in December, which is our biggest event, we do our fundraiser, um, which is quite honestly a big party of celebration we celebrate Calvin, his life, oh. and all of our volunteers, and we just invite everybody and anybody to just be part of the night and help other families in need because yeah. truly there are so many, and unfortunately, cancer is not going away, no. sadly. Uh-uh. Um, so what, would, what advice would you give to someone that is going through it now, a family, moms and dads that have? Oh, my goodness. There's, there's so much, but... Um, if I had to give one piece of advice is, is time, Yeah. spend time with your child. Um, because it is such a grueling situation for a child to go through. And unfortunately it is something that will scar them in one way or another. And if we can be there to support them in any possible way that we can, then it, it is so important. Yeah. It is so, so important. And also being your your child's advocate mm -hmm. and because you know your child more than anybody yeah and just support and and even even outside of that um we don't as parents we don't realize how much we need because we're so vested on helping our child but often when we are in this cancer situation everybody is told well let us know if you need something let us know if you need something but often is we don't know what we need. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can relate. You, yeah. You, you need so much, but you don't know what you need. Yeah. And you often don't want to. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. can you make me dinner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. It's yeah. Just... And, and an amazing friend of mine, when Calvin and I were going through treatment, she was there. Her name is Vanessa and my other friend, Julia, they were there and they were so incredibly helpful. And she I remember she's like, well, what do you need? I said, I, I don't know what I need. And she brought us. um uh, pots to clean our laundry. And I thought like, I, I need that, but I don't, I had no idea, idea yeah, that I needed yeah, that. Yeah. Something as simple as having our laundry clean, uh -huh. because of course you need clean laundry. And, and if I could take so much back as I would, I would not care about spending time on doing laundry or doing anything else. And just, I would just want to spend time with my son. Yeah, I would want to take all that time that I did doing random things. And I would have given that those things to other people to, to help me with so I can be there with him because you can't take time back. You yeah. can't, those precious moments and once they're gone, they're really gone forever, mm -hmm. you know, and time is just such a gift. It really, truly is. It, it is. Um, I want to, I know you have a daughter now. I do. So I wanted to kind of end on a happy yes. note and I want to hear about her. Cielo, she's amazing. Oh, she is such a light. And I, Calvin and I have a strong, have such a strong connection. And even before Cielo came mm -hmm. into this world, I had a dream with Calvin. And in this dream, I, I told him that I missed him so much and I wanted to go with him. And he said, but you can't. Aww. And I said, why? And all of a sudden this little girl appeared with these big eyes and this brown hair. And I thought, what? Who is that? And then a month later, I realized that I was pregnant with Cielo. Wow. So I believe that Calvin and Cielo are connected. And I, I have no, no doubt in that. And even now, she's so tiny. She's only, she's only a year and a half. But she sees pictures of Calvin and she just kisses him. And, oh. and she knows of Calvin in her very own way. Yeah. And 
I mean, Calvin is so front and center in our family and what we do and the purpose of so much that we do um, that I have no, no doubt whatsoever that she knows him and her very own, but she's amazing. And she's, she's such a fun baby and she's so sweet and she has such a loving and sweet personality. Um, Does she remind you of, of Calvin? Oh, so much. Yeah. And they look so much alike, oh. the big brown eyes and, uh, the energy and the spunk in her. And she's just so funny. And it's just, sometimes I, I see her and I have to do like a double take, you know, because I see so much of Calvin in her. Yeah. I know that they're completely different people, but I see so much of her. Um, it's just, it's, it's amazing how that happens, you know, how, and it, I know they have a connection because they were both in me, you know, they were, yeah. it's, 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 it's so amazing to see that. And it's so, so beautiful to know that they will always have this, this connection that, yeah. you know, and she yeah. has, she has a big brother. In yeah. Heaven. She has a big brother and she has uh, his middle name. Her name is Aww. Cielo Preston and Calvin's name is Calvin Preston. Yeah. Um, so, and actually she didn't have a name because we didn't know if we were going to have a boy or girl. And the way her name came about is, um, we were actually driving through, uh, I believe it was LA at the time. And all of a sudden, my husband and I were talking. It was a few days before she was born. I said, you know, we don't have a name for this baby. Like, <laughs> by we, the way. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> exactly. And I just thought, like, you know, wh what is it going to be? And all of a sudden, we stopped at a red light. And right next to us is a restaurant. And the, the light, I mean, the, the, it was, the sun was, I mean, the sun was setting. And it was getting a little dark. And the restaurant next to us turned on their, their light. And we look. And it's Cielo. Wow. So we look. And I look at my husband. And he's like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? <gasps> And I'm like, thank you, Calvin. And we just fell in love with that name. We totally fell in love with that name. And then she was born it's a few a days great later. Name. I, I love, love it. it. I Is love it. Is it C I E L O? Yes. Oh, how and cute. And it means heaven or sky. Whatever. Really? Yeah. It's That's a Spanish. What it means? It's Spanish for heaven or sky. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it, it really it's, was Calvin. Yes, it really was oh. Calvin. One hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This yeah. podcast, I just cried the whole time. <laughs> wow. Yes. What an amazing story. Yes. I'm so happy for you. And Thank you. like, it's just, I mean, it's happy for you and sad for you, but it's yeah. all, you are making it all work out. And yeah. you are a wonderful mom. <laughs> Thank you so you much. You are a wonderful mom. I appreciate it. I, my, I just, I just, I, my, my, I just want to share love, the love that we have, the love that we share, the love that we give, because time is, is like I said, of an essence and life is such a present. It really, really is. Yeah. And I know that because I've lost such a precious life in my life. Um, but I share that, I share that with everybody that I come across because you don't have to go through loss or through what I've been through to know that and realize that. Mm -hmm. So... I'm just so grateful that I get yeah. to share that. Thank you for allowing me to. Of course. Appreciate the good days when you have them. Absolutely. So. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank <laughs> I you. I love you and Cielo Thank you. and Calvin. Thank you for allowing me to share Calvin and, and, and my life with him and Cielo. I, I appreciate it so of much. Of course. Thank, Thank you. you.